FASWA is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit saswhat.com. This is Saswa, a show about Bigfoot. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined tonight by my pal, Mark Matsky. Greetings from Southeast Ohio, where Bigfoot is routinely spotted at pork suppers and church bazaars. It happened. I want to come back to that in a second. Um, Please do. The other guest host tonight, Shannon Legro. She's been on the show before. You may know her. Shannon. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mm-hmm. And you have your own show, Into the Fray. Yes, it is multi-topic. I've strayed a little bit more away from Bigfoot. He's still included, but we talk about all sorts of goodies. And we are also joined tonight by our guest, Clint Granberry from the uh, lovely state of Texas. Clint, say hi. Greetings from Texas, where Bigfoot is a rite of passage. Whoa. Boom. Nice. That Thanks almost that almost made me forget about the uh, pork supper comment. <laughs> is there is there something behind that? No, uh, I just came from a pork supper, Ooh. so that's. So, I mean, I can literally still smell the pork and sauerkraut okay. on my person. Okay, all right, classic Ohio dinner, really. Yes, sir. Okay, um, so tonight we are talking about a multitude of things, no doubt, but we do want to stick to the. Subject of Texas, obviously, because Clint is our resident Texas expert for the evening. We're going to talk about Bigfoots in Texas, and we thought it would be fitting to have our friend Shannon on because it's been a while since she's been on the show. And she is the unofficial fourth host right behind our other unofficial third host, which is Mark's son, Andy. So we did feel it was time Shannon joined us once again. Thank you. Thank you. And tonight we are uh, broadcasting through 97.1 FM in Ohio. It is the Wadsworth Community Radio Station. I live in Wadsworth, obviously, and this station is has been a big friend, actually, of Sasquatch and Small Town Monsters, pretty much anything I'm involved in through the past year. So it's really cool to be broadcasting through the radio station. And if you're just tuning in and you're like, what is this craziness? Um, I don't know what to tell you other than this is a show where we talk about Bigfoot and all that that entails, which would be, you know, not just sighting reports and all that stuff, but we could talk about the community and the craziness, the craziness of the community and then our own craziness because we all bring our own, you know, crazy to the field. So, um, Tonight, though, I do want to talk to Clint before we get into anything else and kind of introduce him because Clint has a multitude of things he's involved in, obviously. And like I said earlier, Clint is a radio professional, um, but he's also got his own podcast called OK Talk. Tell us a little about OK Talk. Uh, let's see. Well, first of all, it's spelled OK Talk, and it has little to do with Oklahoma much to the state's chagrin. But uh, something that a buddy of mine, Matt Stoker, who is also a radio professional, and I started to do on the side just to kind of talk about some of the stuff that was going on in radio 
and it really quickly morphed into us talking about a bunch of the crazy things that had happened to the two of us that didn't have anything to do with radio per se. And uh, we've held on to a lot of that audio for almost a year and then finally decided to launch it, see, uh, see what it sounded like, see what kind of response we got. And it's basically just an outlet for all of my insanity because I've spent so many years working on so many other people's shows that I felt it was time that my voice be heard. So we talk about any number of things. In fact, uh, I was doing a little editing before we got together, and we're going to talk about the State Fair of Texas, the creepy, crazy history of the State Fair. And, of course, um, we've had you on the show, Seth. I have been on, yes. Shannon's in the on-deck circle. Um, Now she has moved. And... You know, I think I told you, Seth, that one of the original reasons that I actually launched the show was because I had been uh, getting into all these Bigfoot podcasts and I wanted to talk to someone from the, you know, from the field. And uh, so there we go. I was like, hey, let's uh, let's crank this puppy up and and get somebody on. I was only able to get Bigfoot on our uh, on the uh, morning show in Dallas that I produced for 10 years, uh, we, we had Cliff Brockman on once and it went very well, but generally morning radio, even if it's in a talk radio station, they're not, they're not, they're not feeling it. They're not feeling it. It's, it's just not coming across. What, what made you like get into Bigfoot? I'm just going to jump into that question right off the bat, but like what got you into Bigfoot? Originally, um, I, uh, I mean, I think I remember it, you know, as a child or whatever, but when I was in high school, I, I had a buddy whose dad owned a video store, like a VHS store, um, the old school kind, like a blockbuster before this, the days of Netflix or what have you. And he had this closet at his house that had like tons of VHS videos that I guess have been rejected by the store or just hadn't been put up for rent or whatever. And uh, we're rifling through a bunch of those one day and found this video called Secrets of the Unknown. And it had Edward Mulhair from Knight Rider, the old man from Knight Rider. And uh, it said, you know, it was like episode one and it was covering UFOs, the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. And so in those days... Um, part of our craziness was just, you know, sitting around and goofing off and we popped that video in and it is seriously the funniest thing I've ever seen at the same time. Fascinating. (laughs) The best part about it is years later, figuring out that all these people were real, you know, obviously they're real people, but like, you know, there's a, you know, John Green is in it. I mean, it hasn't listed as a witness, even though he's not really never had a sighting. But the graphics were outstanding. It, it ran for a year on television, like one season, not even a full calendar year. But the graphics were amazing. Mole hair is incredible with his English accent. And uh, so, you know, being the kids that we were, you know, it puts up these people's names at the bottom of the screen and says where they're from. And so I just picked up the phone and called information and ended up getting a couple of them on the phone. And... <sighs> I'm sad to report that I told them, you know, that I was from, 
University of Texas and I was putting together a Bigfoot expedition and we ended up <laughs> we ended up prank calling a few people. Do you have these prank calls recorded? No, unfortunately the calls are not recorded, but I did in fact speak to if you look at that video, I spoke to a couple of those people. Neither of the two that I really wanted. I wanted to talk to Dadis Perry and I wanted to talk to Furman Osborne. And if you go to my Twitter account or the show's Twitter account at OK Talk Show, quick plug, um, you will see as our avatar is a picture of Dadis Perry from said video. But that really, you know, got got me into it. And I would have never in a million years thought, you know, Bigfoot was in Texas, even though I'm from the Piney Woods. It just never really hit me that, hey, you know, there could be a creature lurking. And then... uh you know, all these years later, when I kind of get back into it and I realize that Texas is pretty far up on the list and reported sightings. And I keep hearing this Texas Bigfoot Research Conservancy, which is now the uh, NAWAC, I believe. Yeah. Um, North American Wood Ape Conservancy. Of which you are a member. I started to uh, kind of look into it a little bit more and then in talking to relatives and uh, and people around the state, you know, it turns out that a lot more people were familiar with the uh, the big guy than I would have expected. Right, so. Shannon. I just realized, like, I'm sitting here listening to Clint talk about this, and I re- I don't know. Have we ever talked about like what got you into? I don't feel like we've ever done a proper Shannon interview on the show like we've always had you on as like a guest host like you're just hosting alongside of us right. we, we need to do an episode where it's just straight up like mark and i grilling you on what i'm, happened. I'm always down for that but it, it's pretty short and sweet it would be a quick little blurb and then we'd have to move on to something else so yeah. it's okay yeah, I mean, I'll hang I... up if you guys want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. Clint, hey, thanks for jumping in, bud. Yeah. All right, see you later. Hey, and actually, before we keep going down the, the road of, of Texas, which I love, and I've I've been to Texas. It's one of my favorite states. I've been to East Texas, as you guys know, mm-hmm. for Bigfoot. But I just want everybody to know that if they haven't checked out OK Talk with your personal stories clint even just those are so fantastically creepy and like devil dog road come on i love that episode thank you very much like, what the heck was that thing everybody needs to go listen to that i'm not even gonna spoil it just go listen you have fantastic personal stories wonderful audio quality as well and clint's yes. voice is is butter uh, it is butter for my eardrums, which is why Clint is mm-hmm. helping with the narration on our next Small Town Monsters oh. movie, uh, Beast of Whitehall. Surprise. It's, hun- it's honey over silk. It's what is that a term? No, I just came up with that. Okay. Honey over silk. Now it is now. <laughs> okay. That would get sticky. Never mind. Anyway, um, <laughs> so let's talk about Bigfoot in Texas. And I've got to come right out and say this up front. I did no prep work on this because i lined up clint shannon and mark and i'm like you know what i don't even have to come up with like a plethora of stories i've got my copy of the historical bigfoot by chad armand sitting right beside me so i can just pick that up if i need to i'm sure mark's got stuff he wants to talk about i'm sure shannon does because she's been there so she's gonna have stories and i want to get into i'm hoping we can get into some of those stories too 
Shannon, because you made the news with some of the stuff that went on when you were there. That, you know, I'm going to say right now, and I was just laughing with Clint about this either yesterday or the day before, that mm-hmm. that actually was not my doing. And right. I did not say all those things. It was um, a little bit of, well, a lot of bit of an exaggeration. And that's the only reason it ended up in the news. I guess at one point I was supposedly scared for my life. Right. And it was in mortal danger from the hairy man. But that was just <laughs> not true. <laughs> It's really funny, though, because of that, um, when Matt and I, my co-host, started talking about it, um, he had mentioned that, you know, he, he's an afternoon producer at a radio station here in Dallas, and the guy that hosts his show was in Oklahoma. They were joking around about, you know, oh, you're in Squatch Country, da-da-da-da-da-da, and he's like, oh, yeah, for sure I am. And uh, they, you know, in talking about it off the air, we're like, hey, we should get somebody on the air about it. And when I asked Matt, like, you know, who he was looking up, um, he was like, well, there was a report in the Houston Chronicle recently. Oh, and, uh, oh God. So he was making it's just funny that that's that's how far reaching. Yeah. Your little frightened behind. Yeah. Made it all the way uh, to the news and then discussed off the air and. Barely made it out. I'm just lucky to be sitting here with you guys right now. I'm, I'd be curious to learn about that occasion, but I don't know how dicey that situation is as far as you being able to talk or wanting to talk about it. So, Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll share. That's no problem. I think the scariest part of that trip was the fact of all the rain. And one night I was literally just sleeping in a puddle, but I was so tired I didn't care. Like mm-hmm. the sleeping bag was soaked and it wasn't. I, I just had a blast on that trip. I had, had never been to East Texas, and you can explain it to people, but you're like, no, there's really forests in Texas. It's not all, you know, no. tumbleweeds rolling across the ground and everything. Where were you exactly? Sam Houston National. Okay. How far is that from where I was a couple of weeks ago when I was in, like, Texarkana? Probably four or five hours south. Okay. Okay, south. All right. Yeah, So, but on that third of the state Mm -hmm. so basically if you think uh you know um east texas kind of like if you think of where dallas is straight down uh 35 basically um you know all the way down to houston over to louisiana that's technically the big thicket the piney woods whatever you however you want to say clint you've been out there quite a bit or Um, I haven't been like in the national forest per se, but like, you know, grew up just, I I mean, all in and out of those woods. My, my family, both sides of my parents' family are from East Texas. I mean, my, my mom's from a town that I think seriously boasts a population of 27 people and it's, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, I run around those woods all the time as a kid. And amazingly never got lost because, as you can report, it's so thick and so dense that it's one of those kinds of things where if you spin around a few times, you may yeah. you may not <laughs> realize which direction you're pointed in. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's real thick. And down south in the Sam Houston, it's almost like you have an um, amalgamation of all of these – all of this plant and wildlife activity, like from the ice age, basically all that stuff got pushed down towards the Gulf. And so I think like every different kind of, you know, there are road runners running around in the forest 
and there are palm trees and uh, what's, you know what's orchids. what's are there swamps like I, I mean like because where we were in uh, down by Falk, Arkansas, obviously, but it's close enough to the Texas border. I was. Uh, surprised by how much it looked like Ohio, where it was. I was expecting, you know, just from watching Legend of Boggy Creek, I was expecting these very dense, like, forest swamps, like these massive swamps, like prehistoric times or something, you know, with, like, dinosaurs roaming through them. And it wasn't <laughs> like that at all. It was, like, farmer's fields and everything. We had to drive, like, 20 minutes outside of town just to get to a swamp. And I could tell from looking at the map, it's not like that swamp is indicative of what the terrain is like in that area. So what is, the, what is the terrain like in East Texas? Is it swamps or is it just like typical forest? I would, I would say a little bit of both. Okay. I mean, you weren't that far away from Caddo Lake, right? Um, which is creepy swampy. And mm-hmm. if you were just to look at it, you would think you were looking at something out of Louisiana, mm-hmm. but uh, you have several different rivers that run, you know, towards the Gulf and there are definitely places along East Texas that become very boggy-like, you know, where um, the water from a river will pool and, um, depending on the time of year, can turn very swampy. And then the further south you get, and the further towards the Gulf, it definitely picks up that, you know, there will be pockets where it's real swampy, but then there will be pockets where it's, you know, if there are a lot of pine trees in the area, then the pine trees drop the needles and you'll have like, you know, where you're basically like looking at a forest floor of needle and pine tree. Right. And then, you know, you go a little bit further and it's oak and, you know, it looks probably a lot more like Ohio. So it kind of depends on the undulation of the terrain, whether or not it's been farmed or, but what? there's so much of it that's I wouldn't say necessarily undiscovered, but, you know, there's a lot of it that's just straight up wild. Well, what's Sam Houston like? Um, Exactly what he said. It's just real piney, piney woods. There wasn't a lot of underbrush in very many areas. So you could see pretty far for the most part where we would camp. It was it was dense in a couple places and we did find what we thought was one track. Uh, it was castable, and but with all the rain, it it was just so tough out there. And we got some audio, possibly that was interesting, but we never saw anything, so you can't. And I I can't say for sure what that was. But it, the last night that we were there, we were in a certain area, and the closest thing I could say is it sounded like the Ohio howl, mm-hmm. what I would imagine it would sound like live, but it was so far away. And we had, on the first night in camp, in the brushy area, something was hollering quite far, and then all of a sudden it seemed like it was very, very close, which is a little unnerving. I'm not really sure what that was. Bob Garrett and the guys seemed to be a little interested in that because we had Mo. He did a special... It's his call that Bob was a little apprehensive of him doing, and it sounded like an angry gorilla. It was amazing. I'm like, if you were at a zoo, you'd probably get mauled by the gorillas. And shortly thereafter is when we had those strange calls. So I'm not really sure what that was. Hmm. So, but you weren't afraid for your life. No, not not even for a second. Yeah. Um, okay. So Clint, I want to know if from from your experience in that area. When I was down, I'm going to keep going back to this because I was just in that 
general area, obviously no. not, not as far west as you were. But um, when I was down in that area, it impressed me that it really does seem like, at least where I was in Texarkana and Falk, Bigfoot has seeped into the culture of that region and they've kind of embraced it. So I'm just curious, like, especially when I'm comparing it to Whitehall, um, which is the complete opposite where they, it's not that they, they haven't embraced it or whatever, but they don't really want anything to do with Bigfoot in Whitehall. So like where you grew up and kind of, or, or, or that general Texas area, like what, what is your take on how Texas or, you know, I guess you can't stereotype to that degree, but Kind of like what? What do you think generally people in that area think? I would say that it hasn't reached like like there's not really the kitschy you know pop culture take on it mm-hmm. as I understand you know places in Oklahoma where you know you'll be driving by and there'll be like a cutout or whatever on the side of the road and people are selling a bunch of it. It never really seemed like that was a like that was a thing. Um, in fact, a few years ago when the Finding Bigfoot crew was actually in my hometown and I saw a little report of it or whatever and I shot the story to my mom and she was just like, I didn't know we had Bigfoot and Tyler. And I was like, you know, Tyler has everything. But the thing is, um, this is something that I think explains a lot of it is that maybe those people didn't ever think they never thought of it as Bigfoot per se, like the term booger um, is big in that area. And so maybe they never like put two and two together if they did see the Patterson film or whatever. And but, booger is a term for possible Bigfoot. Right, right. Not, not a, a disturbing object that crawls out of your nose. Right. Yes. Although it is that as well. <laughs> Of course. But yeah, the whole idea of a woolly booger or whatever is, uh, um, you know, or like they're around Caddo Lake, there was the Caddo Critter, mm-hmm. you know, um, they just never put it in terms of like, oh, it's Bigfoot, you know, like the California, Sierra, Nevada, mountainous, almost abominable snowman thing was lost on them. But the fact that there could be a booger or a boogeyman in the woods, that was, you know, that was way more accepted. So I think when Boggy Creek came out, I mean, I think that there are a lot of people that were like, kind of like, yeah, you know, <laughs> that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. People who lived way back in the woods and the sticks. Um, but it wasn't, but it's not like, it doesn't have the trademark name of Bigfoot. So it never really seemed like the two were connected. If that makes so, sense. Don't you guys feel like if there's a wild, a real man, but he's a wild man, like the Northwoods Hermit or North Pond Hermit in Maine, mm-hmm. isn't that more scary to you than than the thought of a, a Bigfoot? To me, people in the woods, like creepy people, are much more terrifying. Totally. Yeah, just because of uh, like deliverance. I mean, it's it's funny because we <laughs> we got down there to Arkansas at one point and. Uh, I was like, I'm driving with my dad. I'm like, Dad, you ever see Deliverance? <laughs> and then, you know, like, I, I just, for some reason, that's what was in my head was, like, Deliverance. <laughs> yep. yep. Had he seen it? What's that? Had he seen My it? dad had never seen Deliverance, no. Right. So okay. I had to I kind didn't of... didn't suspect that was the case, but... 
Yeah, I kind of I kind of told him about it, you know. And yeah. So Mark, like, um, Caddo Lake is kind of the basis, and is I think it's where they filmed Creature from Black Lake. Yes. Did you yes, see? That's my understanding. Did you see Creature from Black Lake as a kid? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky enough. We had an independent station that was showing that kind of stuff when I was growing up. So I did see Creature from Black Lake. And I really, I might be that movie's biggest fan, quite honestly. Uh, It's just, it's super to me. It's it's like a Legend of Boggy Creek era Bigfoot horror movie, essentially. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, with Jack Elam as the creepy hermit guy, which is just perfect uh-huh. you know sort of late jack elam and just most of the most of the film he's his characters in a drunken stupor which makes it even better <laughs> all around uh that's what i picture when i'm thinking like texas bigfoot and i'm sure there's it's it's funny because my vision of texas is kind of based on two things it's based on like Caddo lake and that kind of swampy you know terrain and then the other thing is that movie i guess also that tv show dallas where it's just massive oil fields and you know yep. like guys in cowboy hats um and i keep thinking of paul newman despite the fact he's from ohio um but that <laughs> that is my that is my mental picture of texas so when i think when i first started hearing like tbrc and nawac both you know obviously come come from texas and i remember the first time i heard that i was like well where where are there bigfoots in texas Mm because i just haven't spent a lot of time i guess studying up on texas and really the texas you see in movies typically anyway is that you know it's either caddo lake swamp horror movies or it's uh, these soft soap opera oil fields, you know, oil soaked men in cowboy hats, um, or or it's there will be blood. Um, yes. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, we get we get a lot of all of that. I actually went to school in London for a little bit, and uh, that was I, I probably was asked thirty times if uh, I took a horse to school, if I knew Jr. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing was, I got asked about the Dallas Cowboys. Well, can you answer any of those? Did you? I know he knows Jr. I figured. I, I definitely um, at least have been to South Fork where Jr. roamed. Um, I have never taken a horse to school. I don't believe you. But you do see horses around here. You do see people on horses. Um, and what was the other one that I said? Oh, the Dallas Cowboys. And yeah, the Dallas Cowboys. So the there's that. Team. But that, yeah, that great basketball team. <laughs> famous basketball team. So famous. Chris Weber. I think that's that's where he's from, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. You're doing Clint. bits now. You're doing bits. Uh, you, know what I, you know what I noticed about Clint is that he doesn't, unless you just you hamper it for your shows, you don't say y'all very much. Is no. That, is that no, no, no. on purpose when you're on the air? Um, really, and you're not the first person that told me that, but this is one thing that I'm quite proud of. I I was on the air for the first time I was ever on the air on an actual radio station on my own. I was 18, 19, and I still have those tapes. And if you listen to those tapes, you would laugh so hard because I sounded country. But the first time that I heard myself on tape, 
And I mean, this goes back to even when I was 12, 13, 14, and we were prank calling radio stations and recording it in the other room, which we did a lot of. Um, I would hear myself and be like, oh, cringe. So I beat that out of myself pretty hard early. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say y'all in texts, you know, I'll throw y'all around. Not like you all, but with a Y apostrophe. But right. I tried to, uh, I beat down that Texas accent pretty quick because mainly it sounded to me like it came across like I sounded like I was stupid. So. Yeah, sorry to deviate. I've always wanted to ask you that. No, it's okay. It's okay. I'm here for all amusement. So uh, let's talk about let's talk about sightings because because obviously people love the the Bigfoot stories. And Clint, you're from that area, and Shannon, you've been to that area, and you've been with Garrett. So I'm, I am a hundred percent sure you've heard a couple stories from Texas. So Clint, like what what? Do you have a specific like sighting story you point to as like something you're you're a huge fan of? Like here in Ohio, I always cite two things. I always cite the Gallipolis sighting from 1869, which was like the the original yep. Ohio sighting. I always talk about that, and then I always talk about the Norwalk ape because no one knows about the Norwalk ape sightings, but there's this really cool series of events that took place in Ohio where like, and this was documented in a newspaper where there, there were posses chasing these things. And there's like photos of people that went out ape hunting and all this. So do you have anything like that from Texas? I have, I have two favorite stories. One is way more recent than what I think is technically the most famous in the Metroplex area. But, um, it's funny because you guys actually did a show about white big Bigfoot or mm-hmm. Big Feet, whatever. Shannon was on it. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Y'all. y'all. And I said y'all. <laughs> um, Boom. And, and we have a really famous white Bigfoot story, and it's uh, referred to as the Lake Worth monster. Lake Worth is uh, probably an hour west of Dallas, southwest of Dallas, thereabouts. Um and this happened in July of 1969. And uh, basically, numerous sightings started popping up around Lake Worth that led to the belief that a half-man, half-goat creature was living in Lake Worth, Texas. Uh, T- Terry Deckard, a reporter, wrote an article about it in the newspaper, which made the front page. The headline read, Fishy Goat Man Terrifies Couples Packed at Lake Worth. The couple reported sightings, describing it as a half-man, half-goat with fur and or what they thought to be scales. Later on, a man reported to police that the creature jumped out of a tree, landed on the hood of his car, scratching and destroying the hood. Um, And so this report got out in the public, and a lot of people started going out there. And there's one really famous picture from that time that basically looks like a giant white Bigfoot, an abominable snowman of sorts. And uh, it was so popular that you know, I think at some point some kids went out there and probably played a prank to kind of try to be that. It was like a little parking area where kids did nefarious things in the car. And uh, but this thing was around for like a week, a week and a half, and then it disappeared. And it reminds me of and I think I told you this, Seth, when you were on um, my show, OK Talk show um, quick plug um, that <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like channeling Scott Harriet just because I just listened to that episode for you guys. I feel like I have to throw squatchfilms.com in. That's all the time. Right. Um, but no, uh, I was telling you that 
I wonder if like these white big feet, they always seem to be like solo. Are they like old Bigfoot that have been in a group and like they finally been overthrown by a younger male. And so they don't know what to do. So they like, you know, come closer to humans looking for food. And that's why randomly solo white big feet would be reported doing all kinds of crazy business around, you know, where humans live. And I don't know why, but I think that kind of makes sense. The other option would be that it's a Bigfoot that got struck by lightning. That mm-hmm. too. Or saw a ghost. Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Like I can't it. believe I didn't think Scare of that. Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah, that is into the Fradio stuff right there. <laughs> oh, boom to your face. Uh, quick plug. But there's another. I, I do have one other reported sighting. In well, this. hold on. Hold on. Let's talk about Lake Worth for a second. Because okay. I, I love the Lake Worth story. And it is like... It, it's up there, I think, with stories like Boggy Creek and Whitehall, and it's been on my radar. It's in my top five of stories I want to cover for Small Town Monsters, so it's it's like one of the ones I would love to do a movie about. The goat creature angle to it is really weird. Right, totally. And the, the weird thing is, is there's, a, there's, another, there's another goat man legend. Yeah. In this area, which I don't know if you've heard of, but it's a North Texas thing around Denton, Texas, which is where the University of North Texas is. And the goat man was um, an old slave who was freed and his family lived in this area. And reportedly one night, you know, he was lynched, Mm -hmm. but they always called him the goat man because that's what he did was he raised goats. But Mm -hmm. That whole area is reported to be haunted, you know, and it's a really creepy out in the middle of nowhere bridge that he was hung from. And so I always kind of wonder when legend and, you know, story start to overlap, like the Goatman legend was definitely something that these people in 1969 would have known about. So I wonder how much of it was, you know, it looks like a goat because it's white, so let's call it the Goat Man. I don't think anybody ever saw, like, cloven hoof on the thing, but I I kind of wonder if that's where it's attributed to, you know, like one of the monsters in the area or whatever the things to be scared of was the Goat Man, so. And, and, and there's kind there's of, kind like, of this, like this, uh, uh, whoa, crazy echo. Yeah. Okay. It went away. Um, there's kind of like a history of uh, goat creature, goat type creatures too, through throughout mythology and legends and all that. There's always every state has some sort of goat creature. I wonder like what that's attributed to. And then the other thing about the uh, Lake Worth monster that's cool is there's this. I think it's a lady that wrote the book on. Is that true, Mark? Yeah. Clint? Okay. Yep. yep. Sally okay. Ann Clark. Okay. I knew all I had to do is look to Mark, and he's like a That's right. human encyclopedia over there. Do you uh, have a copy of it, Mark? I do, yeah. Okay, awesome. Because I, I saw one at the Half Price Books not long ago, like in a, and that one's under glass. So Yeah. Yeah. Is <laughs> wow. yours that fancy? Is it first edition? That thing probably. Well, the story that I was told <laughs> is that it was. Um, Actually, a, a remnant, a leftover uh, in Sally Ann Clark's, uh, like, <laughs> like her crawl space or something, had two boxes that were found and that 
these were books that were actually that she had self-published and uh I I got my hands on one at the Ohio Bigfoot conference like 3 years ago. Do you guys know how many copies there are floating around? Like how many did she actually publish? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean it's rare enough that over there it probably cost you a good 3 bills to get it wow. away half yeah. price. Well, what what's the book kind of about? Have you read it? It's almost a fabricated like almost like a fictional take on that story, right, Mark? Yeah, but I, I think uh, to some degree, I, I Clark is reporting it as pretty much factual. It's a, just a little book. It's like a digest-sized book, but it's filled with black and white photography, including the, the very famous photo that Clint was talking about. And she is sort was sort of like a just a self-made investigator who talked to a whole bunch of, of prime witnesses. But it really goes in some obscure directions, I have to say. I mean, there's she interviews even little kids and records sort of their speculation about where the monster could have come from. And like, there's like a 10-year-old kid who's quoted as saying, I think that the creature fell from the moon and nobody liked mm. him so he decided to stick around here. I mean that's the that's the level of detail to which she just sort of throws everything in that I think. So it almost does read as as fabricated or fictionalized but you know the way I read it I think she's just reporting everything that happened wow. and maybe that's why I thought that yeah. there was some fictional take on it was because she talked to everyone and then some. Yeah. But I mean, it's one of those kinds of things that, you know, every couple of years, depending on the time of year, you know, it'll pop up on the local television stations. I, I mean, I think the Star-Telegram in Fort Worth ran a story about it a couple of years ago, and she's still kicking as far as I can tell in and around the area. Mm. But who knows for how long, Seth? So we better yeah. get on that quickly. <laughs> we, be- we better get her on. We all need to interview her. Yeah. Uh, is this photo you guys are talking about, describe it. Because I'm trying to think of what you're talking about, but I don't know that I've ever seen this it's photo. Like okay. Massive, blurry. He's walking like to his, well, he's facing to your left. If you're okay. looking at the photo, it's like black and white. And actually, people will say, well, if you really squint your eyes and turn your head, you know, 30 degrees, it looks like it has horns. So that's adds to the whole goat man that thing. Is, but that who looks knows? like an owl to me. You see it? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's very blurry and it's just a massive blob. It kind of has arms, sort of, kind of. Right. When I was a kid, it's I always running. thought that that little, like the rounded thing on the very top was like its head and you can almost see like a profile. Right. Yeah. But yes. I really don't think now that that's what is captured there. I don't what do you think it is, Mark? Alien. It's an alien. You think so? No, I have no idea. It's literally a gorilla suit, and some guy's just grinning his bottom off because he's just like, I got you guys. Well, no, because I, I know when Mark looks at this stuff, he's very analytical, so I'm curious to know what his what his mind has, you know, what the conclusion is he's come to on this. The weird thing about it is that it's just not proportional in any way mm-hmm. that you would think of a, like a Bigfoot creature as unless yeah, it's it, standing at a very odd angle That's, it wouldn't be the agile kind would it i mean he, i don't mm-hmm. think he could scale any cliffs in yeah, in point zero zero seconds yeah quite yeah. Easy. it's not as awesome as the picture on the cover of the book 
which I don't know if you've seen this one, Seth. But yeah, I, that's I, it right I love there. it. And yeah. Lyle Lyle Blackburn occasionally has copies of that book for sale in his store, which I think is like lyleblackburn.com. Plug. That was a quick plug for him. Quick, a quick that's plug right. for Lyle. <laughs> we love Lyle. Um, so Lake Worth Monster is, is one of my favorites out of Texas, so thank you for bringing that up. So go go tell us about your other your other encounter story. Okay, this other one I think is perfect because we have the good reverend on here, mm-hmm. um, Pastor Madsky. And the first time – I read this probably back in the fall. This is actually from July of 2014, and it takes place in what should be described as Cass County, but of course Texans – often pronounce it Case County, which is, again, northeast Texas-ish. So so this, uh, actually, I got off of the BFRO um, from July of 2014, and it's a father and son, uh, father and son report, and it's from Case or Cass County, however you want to pronounce it, depending on what part of Texas you're in. But this is the father's story. I was driving to go fishing with my son at a local fishing spot. The place is on the Cass County side of Lake Wright Patman. We were around a mile or so from the lake, I would say. As I topped the hill in a slight bend, I spotted a big black bear in the road. I stopped because bear in the area are very rare. I'd never seen one. I'd heard stories of them. I was excited because not only was I going to see it, but my son was as well. Then, very quickly, the bear stood and turned toward us. And to my shock, it was not a bear at all. It was a huge thing, but not a bear. The thing was, I would say, around 8 to 10 feet tall, three and a half to 4 feet wide at the chest and shoulders. It had a large head with dark eyes, either dark brown or black, and a big flat nose. And the face was a little lighter brown than the body. It was not black, as I first thought, but a dark brown, almost, uh, almost black, and its fur or hair was around 4 inches long. It looked like a guy who spends all his time in the gym. It had fists the size of canned hams. I say this because one hand was closed and it had something in it. A ham. <laughs> a ham. A canned one. <laughs> now, this is where I think this just the story, this is what makes it one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> canned hams. Candy hams. I think it may have been a male because it had no breasts. I immediately believed I was looking at a demon. <laughs> I mean, a whole demon. <laughs> I question that now after talking to people who seem to know a lot about these things and reading a lot over it since I saw it. Think me mad, if you will. (laughs) But I slammed the vehicle in park, jumped out, and started preaching the gospel at the... (laughs) I don't know... I don't know if it was a demon for sure, or either the word of God heard it Or it just didn't know what to make of me because it roared at me so loud and deep I could feel its vibration like a teen's car radio. It threw what it had in its hand. It flew a few feet above us, a good long way back up the road. Then I turned and ran. Then it turned and ran. It it flew? It threw. Okay, okay. It It threw the canned ham at the ham. And then it turned and ran at an otherworldly speed. This all happened very fast. I could not say how fast, but... From the time that I stopped till it was up and gone, it was not long at all. I stood there a moment longer thinking I just saw a demon. I got back in the vehicle to drive back and see what it threw at me. It was part of a cotton mouth rattlesnake with its head 
and who knows how much of it missing. I chunked it in the back and went home. During all this time, my son had been screaming at me to get back in. Let's go. He was so freaked out. He did not want me to stop when I turned around and was pushing me to go as fast as I could. I was not scared because a demon dare not confront a man of God. Yet now I'm not so sure that it was a demon. End of father's statement. Hold on. So as someone from the state of Texas, does this, uh, the way this guy is writing, does this seem like, to, to me, this seems so over the top, the way he's writing. It's like someone, like, like imitating a southern pastor i mean think me mad sir yeah Yeah, the thing is um i mean texas is a big state and this is told to an investigator so it wasn't like someone just popped in and wrote it up you know there's an actual human attached to this report that was a bfro investigator wow Wow. now wait wait till you hear the kids report of what happened this is son And I quote, I don't scare very easy, and my dad seems to have no fear of spiders. No fear except of spiders. He's a big guy, and I, like him, am pretty big. He's Mm -hmm. around 300 pounds, and even though I'm only 14, I'm I'm as tall as him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm as tall as him and almost as heavy, Seth. He's a little fat, but not too much. This is all in the report. Why? I'm all muscle. And you can call us corn fed. Oh, boy. My dad's a hell of a fighter. And I think me and dad could take just about anything on together that you could throw at us. Hashtag fighting pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Hang on, guys. But I my dad would be disappointed in me if I did. I was scared as hell when we came up on Bigfoot. He wants me to talk to someone because he is scared that I might be messed up for life. LOL. I was freaked and scared. He was going to get his crazy butt killed and me too. And I was screaming at him the whole time. And then when we did go, he stopped to get that stupid snake. (sighs) But dad says there are demons and says that's why no one can kill one or find one. They don't leave any bodies. I will never talk to anyone about this and I'm just doing this to make him happy. I don't even like doing this. And I don't like the fact that he stopped the car and started yelling at the Bigfoot. It yelled back and took off, thank God. But I guess they must not be that mean or else it would have killed us. I know my dad can be very scary when he is mad. And he was mad as hell when he got out preaching at the Bigfoot. I'm not crazy. My dad may be. And now I think even more so than before. (laughs) I don't know what it was. Don't want to know and pray I never see it again. How do we top that? <laughs> I don't, I'm stunned. I'm I'm stunned. I don't even know how to respond. I can tell Matsky is is in another another world right now. Yeah, he's yeah, still I'm processing like, all that. It it is. It is. It's a. It's like do you a think what What do you think Bigfoot's initial reaction would be if you got out and started preaching the gospel? I don't know. I mean, I guess I would have no expectation that he would even understand what I was saying. For starters, because mm-hmm. I guess that it, it's just a whole, you know, I mean, the thing as as wild as that story seems to be, I mean, it does bring up the issue of there are, you know, worldviews that treat these as spiritual mm-hmm. beings. Sure. And uh, not just the Christian point of view, but, you know, of course, Native American, I you know, stories and legends kind of do the same thing um, to a certain degree, not 
not with the full baggage of the word demon, but but certainly um, being creatures that you do not want to cross or mess with. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it. What really interests me, you know, is the impulse to to confront an unknown creature in that way. And, and would that be fright or? you know sheer terror or what would what would cause you to react that way to something that you're seeing that is so clearly out of the ordinary i don't know it's it's wild okay so shannon um let's talk to you because you spent time in texas and i'm sure why you're there because like while i was there i probably had four or five people come up to me and tell me their sighting stories i don't know if you had that kind of thing happen but you were there in obviously close proximity to other people who go out looking for Bigfoot. So did you hear any any cool, exciting stories or uh, anything like related to Texas that you want to share? Yes, and actually the only people that we were really around, as, as most people know, is out there with the Sasquatch Chronicles radio show when I was still a part. And we had Sean and Mo. Bob Garrett, Travis Garrett, Brandon Garrett, the whole crew was out there and they go out a lot together. And I guess at one point, and this is Sean telling me this is part of Bob Garrett's crew. Sean had gone out there with his father. And I don't remember if they were just getting there waiting for the rest of the crew to arrive. But this was actually at the campsite that we stayed at for a couple of nights. And supposedly, and I'm probably going to not tell it perfectly as Sean would and remember all the details, but the gist was he and his father had showed up, and it was just the two of them, and his father, as far as I know, had not yet seen a Bigfoot, or maybe he was even a skeptic, Mm -hmm. and they show up and get out of the vehicle, and I think Sean was walking around the front of the car, and it was close to dark, and his father has his back to the woods, so he's still facing the car, gotten out of the vehicle, and Sean is literally like, Okay, so Dad, there is a Sasquatch standing very close behind you. And I think it was just kind of doing the classic sway that you hear in reports. And the father is just going, yeah, sure, whatever. There's a Bigfoot stand. Want to be sure, buddy? You're, you're pulling my leg here. And as far as I know, by the time the father had turned around to check, as elusive as they are from the reports, it was gone. But that was one of the closest that it had come to the camp to where they usually go looking for these things. So that was one of the closest they had come. I know that Bob Garrett has had plenty of experiences, but I don't know, you know, which ones he wants shared. So I won't share any of those tonight with everybody. But that area was extremely interesting. And I'm not going to act like nothing happened, but it was nothing but auditory uh it at one point i don't know what it was like i said it hollered far and then all of a sudden i don't know if it's the same one or a second whatever the heck it was it was close and it was pretty darn loud um it was creepy but i i love texas i think that is one of my favorite places Mm -hmm. if i could go back i would love to go back there and and camp out some more yeah i i my experience with Texas was very limited to the point where it was basically solely my time in Texarkana on the Texas Mm -hmm. side that uh, constituted any kind of interaction with Texans. But I do know that what I really appreciated about being there was the people. 
I thought the people that I talked to uh, were were fantastic. And there was actually a guy. We went for breakfast one morning while we were down there, and one of the guys in the restaurant happened to be an old friend of Charles B. Pierce, who directed Legend of Boggy Creek, obviously. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> my my experiences there were were extremely positive and I thought the the coolest thing about it was the people and then how kind of open about experiences people were down in Falk which again is really close to Texas so I consider them close enough to act like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to Texas itself. Now Seth you mentioned briefly and if you don't mind me kind of going off track but just for a moment you mentioned briefly about the people of Whitehall and how they not only do they not embrace anything Bigfoot They'd rather just go away. So, what do you think the difference is there, as far as you know, the East Coast versus down South? It's, like, it's, why it, is the embracing so different? It's, I th- I really think it comes down to just cultural differences between East Coast and especially that Far East Coast. I mean, the attitudes of people in New Jersey, New York, is totally different from attitudes of people in Ohio, which are totally different from attitudes of people. In the deep south, which are, you know, obviously different from Texans. And I just, I don't know what it is. I I had conversations with, I I had a conversation with uh, the son of Dan Gordon from Whitehall. And Dan Gordon's obviously this this famously tied into the the Whitehall Bigfoot. And he talked to me about how he would never talk about his own opinions on Bigfoot. And he would never talk about his, even some of the stuff his father said to him. Um, behind closed doors just because of mm. the ridicule factor. So I don't, I don't know. It's really odd. I, I, maybe there's less people that have had sightings in New York, so the people that do become more of a freak. Um, I don't know if that is what it can be narrowed down to or not. I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, is it because they have a movie down in Falk and it's very famous? Like, maybe once yours comes out for Whitehall, they'll be like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we'll bring it into the limelight. No, I mean, I don't think that's it because they've been featured on, you know, Monster Quest and Finding Bigfoot. And it's not, I don't think that it's as bad as it was from talking to the people in that area. But it's definitely not at the level of Falk where you drive into the town and the the monarchs there with like right. Bigfoot murals on the walls and a giant Bigfoot statue and there's this huge Bigfoot, you know, monster on the roof of the building. I mean, it's it's not like that, and it's it's not like that in Ohio even really. Um, so nope. I don't know, but all right, we got to start wrapping up here. <clears throat> Before we do that, we need to talk about um, some of the things you guys have going on because Shannon and Clint, you guys both have, and obviously we talked about this at the top of the show. But once once more, Clint, if someone wants to find OK Talk or just to learn about your show, like through Facebook and Twitter, which you're a part of, tell them where to go. I believe our Facebook is OK Talk Show. That's just O and K talk show our twitter handle is at okay talk show and our email is at okay talk podcast maybe at gmail or okay talk podcast at gmail i don't know it's very convoluted as matt (laughs) likes to say we have the worst unified brand in history (laughs) um but if you're in itunes or stitcher or whatever you know you can search okay talk and uh, it should pop up. And I uh, really appreciate you and Shannon both and Mark, of course, for uh, having us on and helping pump the pump the cast. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we want to have you on again too. In fact, I had planned on recording multiple episodes tonight, but because of the whole hour long episode thing, which is the new norm for Sasswit, um, we're doing one one episode tonight, and then maybe in a couple of weeks or a month or so, we can get you back on, talk some more about maybe just general Bigfootery instead of focusing in on just Texas. Although I do love this Texas stuff and I feel like I know Mark has stories he wants to talk about too. I know he I know he did. And I actually had one too that I we found. We should do a part two. We're going to have to. Just, yeah, it's going to have to happen. We're going to have to revisit it. I have one where like there's one shucking corn, like speaking of corn fed, you know. So oh, wow, there's yeah. plenty out <laughs> Perfect. Texas. I'm Perfect. sorry I had to drop the mic moment again, but no, you're fine. It's literally, how bad the battery is that I touched the cord; it can't disconnect it, and <laughs> down. You're fine, uh, Shannon. Where can people find you? Well, best place is into the frayradio.com. That's the website. There's blog posts, archived episodes, and just like Clint mentions, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Awesome, and we will be back next week with Craig Flippy. If all goes according to plan, filmmaker, uh, finding Bigfoot crew member, uh, all around good guy, hilarious individual. Uh, check out his movie, which was Bigfoot Road Trip, and his Indiegogo campaign at Crappy Little Dreams. Go visit that. Support him and his future endeavors when you get a chance. And he should be on with us next week. In the meantime, we are signing off. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash sasswhat. Find us on Twitter by using the hashtag sasswhat, or you can find me on Twitter at SethBreedsLove. Mark Matsky is on Twitter at Reverend Matsky. Send your letters to sasswhatmail at gmail.com and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. 